Hello and welcome to this month's Patreon preview. And if you're curious about Patreon and you want to hear what is available if you sign up, then please stick around for this episode. I mention Patreon on every single episode, so at the beginning of each month, I'm going to give you a little preview of what is available on patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. You can sign up for Patreon for either $2 or $5 a month to get all of the main and mini episodes of Real Life Ghost Stories completely ad-free. There are also extra film reviews, giveaways, bonus Q&As and much, much more. Remember, Patreon is entirely flexible and you can delete your pledge instantly at any time. For $2 a month, you get access to over 50 episodes of bonus content. And for $5 a month, you get access to over 150 extra episodes. Every Monday, I release an episode of Tiny Tales on the $5 a month tier. Sometimes it's a collection of spooky stories. Sometimes it's a special guest episode where a knowledgeable person comes on and tells their own paranormal tales. And lately, once a month, we've been doing a no sleep special where we find the scariest spooky stories from the depths of the internet. For today's preview, you'll be hearing a snippet of an episode of Tiny Tales. Remember, you can sign up for either $5 a month or $2 a month at patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. A few details before I start my story. I live in Northern California in a small townhouse with my girlfriend. I've decided to change the names of both people and places just to be cautious. I don't want anyone going out to the beach that I was at trying to dig up clues and instead find the trouble that I found. I'm sorry this is so long, I've tried to keep it as brief as possible. You have to understand that I've barely slept at all in days and it's difficult for me to keep my thoughts in order. Saturday, March 26th. John and I found the camcorder half buried in the sand on Stinson Beach. When I picked it up out of the sand, water leaked out from inside the camcorder. Sand was packed into every crevice and the battery pack was missing. We dried it off with a beach towel and popped the cassette drive open. There was a digital cassette cartridge inside the drive. It had a yellow plastic head and a Panasonic logo, but no label or sticker attached. It seemed like the camcorder itself was pretty much trashed, but we figured it still might be possible to recover the data on the tape itself. I had an older Sony digital camcorder at home that used the same type of tape. I took the tape and camcorder inside with me when John dropped me off at home later that day. I set it down on my computer desk and I forgot about it for almost a week. Thursday, March 31st. John came over again the next Thursday and saw it on my desk. I told him I'd forgotten about it and I hadn't even tried to play back the tape yet. We popped it into my Sony camcorder and hooked it up to my PC's Firewire port, opened up Roxio's video capture application and told it to scan the tape for footage. Only one scene appeared on the screen. I will describe it to you as best as I can recall. A few feet in front of the camera is a woman. Her back is to the camera and she is walking down a narrow dirt path, possibly even a deer trail. Tall, dry grass and small bushes line either side of the path. Based on the lighting, it is most likely sometime in the early morning or evening. The sky is cloudless and tinged with a soft orange colour. 
Other than the shuffle of footsteps, the only thing that can be heard is seagulls crying and the soft sound of ocean waves breaking against the shore in the distance. She's wearing what used to be a one-piece swimsuit. The top half has been ripped or cut apart and now hangs down off her hips. She's naked from the waist up. Dozens of ugly red welts and cuts across her back. It looks like she's been whipped or badly beaten with a stick. A length of thin rope, more like twine, has been used to bind her hands behind her back. The twine is wound so tightly against her wrists that you can see her hands have begun to turn a shade of blue from the lack of circulation. The twine is cutting into her skin and small rivulets of blood have run down her hands and fingers dripping onto the dirt trail behind her. During the course of the scene, she only takes a few dozen steps. The clip is only 30 seconds long. Right before the clip ends, a man's voice can be heard. Are you filming? You better not be filming yet. I told you to wait until we get inside. And then the clip ends. Both John and I were unsettled by that one short scene on that tape. It seemed authentic. Someone's home video gone horribly wrong. I tried to copy the clip to my computer, but every time we played the file back, it was just a mess of scrambled green lines with no audio. John took the tape with him when he went home later that evening. He wanted to try and use his MacBook and his parents' camcorder to see if he was able to recover the clip onto his computer. He said maybe it was just a problem with my firewire cable. And it was the last time that I ever saw him. Friday, April the 1st. At this point, I can't think of any unusual happenings. A normal Friday workday, no different from dozens of other Fridays before it. I called John to ask about the tape, but he said he hadn't had time to look at the tape again. But he was going to stop by his parents' house after work and borrow their camcorder for the weekend. Sunday, April the 3rd. John calls me. It was in the evening, sometime after 7, I think. He sounds excited and tells me he was able to get the clip to save onto his MacBook. The video plays back, but the sound is missing. I tell him to upload the video online, but he wants more time to try and get the audio working too. Wednesday, April the 6th. Unable to get a hold of John for two days. Calls are going straight to voicemail. Finally, he calls me on Wednesday, just as I was getting ready to leave work and head home. I don't think I noticed it at the time, but looking back on events... His voice sounded odd. There was almost no inflection to his speech. It was flat and emotionless. I thought he was calling about the tape. But when I asked, he told me that that wasn't important anymore. He said he had found something and we needed to go back to the beach. It takes almost two hours to drive out to Stinson from my house. And I told him there was no way I'd be able to get out there on a weeknight after work. And even if I could, it would be nearing dark by the time we got out there. For some reason, this seemed to make him angry. I promised I would go on Saturday with him, but this wasn't good enough. He said he needed to go that night. That there was something very important. He kept saying he had something to show me. I asked what, but he said I had to see it for myself. Finally, he called me a stubborn asshole and hung up. Thursday, April 7th. 
John won't answer my calls. His voicemail says his inbox is full and won't accept any new messages. 